Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Welcome back to the Electrify Expo podcast, brought to you by the creators of the Electrify Expo. All right, we're back with the Electrify Expo podcast. I'm Joe Boris, as ever, here with Matt Teske, and we're going to change things up a bit. This time, I'm going to do the introduction, and Matt's going to do the send-off. How do you feel about that? I feel weird because I was literally about to start saying, hey, welcome, Belfs, and I was like, oh. This week's show, we're going to be talking about electric pickup trucks, which is arguably the uh, most important segment of electric vehicles, certainly if we're going to have mainstream EV adoption, because like, you know, I I was going to say this as a joke, but like 50% of American vehicles on the roads are trucks and SUVs. And I was going to throw that out as a joke, but I think that's right. Statistically, I think it's pretty accurate. I know that light duty sales have finally been surpassed by SUVs as of, I think, what, mid last year, even during the pandemic. Yeah, for like the first time. So, I mean, yeah. When you talk about something, a product like Ford's F-150 that sells in the hundreds of thousands every year. I mean, the Ford F-150 just as a brand or the the F-series, let's say, let's encompass all the F-series pickups. Like that's like an entire other company. Like that's bigger than Mazda. That's bigger than Mini. That's bigger than Jaguar, right? Bigger than bigger than most. I mean, frankly, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. And and that's the part that I think is going to be so interesting to see how that translates, right? Because they've got this huge market share with a huge swath of people that are very passionate about what that vehicle's meant to them, whether whether brand new or historically. There's, there's a reason why they sell almost a million of those things, like seemingly without having to try. So. Yeah. And they're, you know, and they're good products too. And then, you know, now Ford has come out with the latest one and this is literally happened as we're talking about this. Uh, they had president Biden driving around in one of the early prototypes, but they did show the all electric Ford lightning. Now, funny enough, you and I were talking about this a couple of months ago and we predicted that they were going to call it the lightning because well, it was an electric name, right? Yeah, you predicted it. Actually, I, I even was kind of like, oh, really? I don't know about that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, guess what? So credit to you for calling that one. Um, yeah. I, I mean, but what it, else did they have? What else did they have? They were going to come at this thing and they're going to take it up against the Hummer EV, the Tesla Cybertruck. This is going to be their flagship electric product in the same way that like the King Ranch or the Harley Davidson F-150 was always their flagship kind of vehicle to begin with this is going to be the top of the line it's going to be zero to 60 in four seconds and it's got to kind of take everything they throw at it right well it's interesting too because like really thinking like even the sneak peek we kind of got yesterday when when the president was you know speaking it forward you could kind of see it in the background a little and for the promos like snippets they've been showing of like that light bar that goes all the way across the front of it it's almost Mm -hmm. like cyber truck-esque kind of thing right um I was, I'm curious to see how it actually does look in full, you know, full curtain getting pulled away later. You know, I guess we'll see it in a few hours now or something like that. But I I honestly thought it was pretty tame, but I think that was by design. I think that they have to get the people that are purists to the F-Series platform to look at this like it's a, it's an option, not an oddity, right? It's an option, not an oddity. I really like the way you said that. I think also about the way that they did the hybrid pickup last year where it had new functionality they brought that 110 volt system to the uh you know to the work site with the bed outlets they made it so that you could run more equipment more uh office gear type stuff 
you know, where it wasn't necessarily about the environmental impact that you and I might kind of focus on. It was more about look how electric power and electrification allows this truck to do more. And I think exactly like you said, this is an option, not an oddity. This is an add-on or a value add, not something that we're going to ask you to sacrifice for the baby seals, which I think time and time again, we've proven that a lot of middle America doesn't care about the baby seals. Well, unfortunately, it's not, it's not even just middle America. It, it is a lot of people. They just say, look, don't, don't start with that, that conversation that is kind of a you know, womp womp. It's, just, it's, a, it's a downer. What's the positive? What's the positive? What makes me happy about this? And I think that, you know, again, all the auto brands that are getting very serious now saying, here's our EVs, we're coming out swinging. I think that they're doing it in a way that is pure to what their brand is. And they're walking a line and they have to figure it out. Um, and I think that because this is going to be a product that is going to be functional to people first, I think that for me, and I think everybody, the big thing I'm looking at is, okay, what's the battery size of this thing? What is the range of this thing? How fast can it charge? But zero to 60 in four-ish seconds for a truck that size, that's that's pretty damn good. <laughs> that's moving. That's, that's like, a, I think that's a second and a half or, or more uh, quicker to 60 than the, the old supercharged lightning, which oh, was no, a smaller it, truck. The, the, it's like two seconds faster. It's, it's yeah, yeah it, it's, it's moving. That, that's not, that's no joke. So, and people loved that original lightning. And so I think that, you know, playing to their heritage, if they had a product that people were passionate and enthusiastic about, you know, back in the day, and pulling that forward to a vehicle. That's the curiosity I have though, is the lightning, the original lightning was a very enthusiast focused truck. I mean, that thing, that thing had a style to it that was very iconic. What we saw in the sneak peek yesterday, and I think what we'll see today is again, more of vehicle that is a, it is an F-150 that happens to be electric. And I think that mm -hmm. strategically though, that's good because the lightning never sold in high volume, the original lightning, this, right. new, this new one, the goal is to have that. So, but I think also guys like us that were around when that lightning first came out, we weren't the buyer. We did. We just weren't old enough. We didn't make enough yeah. money. We weren't the buyer. Now, you know, probably got young families, probably a little older, probably got uh, some home improvement projects. Maybe we're looking at a pickup truck and, uh, Hey, I thought the lightning was cool back then. Maybe I check it out now. There's, there's something to be said about that. There's a reason why these, these brands that have longstanding models that have a lot of history to them, you know, they're revisiting having them. I mean, Chevy brought back the Blazer for crying out loud. Is there going to be an electric Blazer that comes out at some point? Probably, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So I think that, again, what we're seeing is it's going to be this weird convergence of the newcomers and the, and the historically, you know, very successful truck brands that how do they, how do they collide? And what do people yeah. gravitate to most? And again, we're seeing crazy out, outlandish stuff from other brands like Tesla, whereas you see brands like Rivian and their truck is much more, I think, aesthetically familiar, right? So. Yeah, it's much more aesthetically familiar. It, it, it does occupy that sort of Honda Ridgeline space where mm -hmm. it's a truck, but it's a unibody and it, it's not that heavy duty sort of cabin chassis thing. It's much more of a consumer truck. Yeah. But I think that's okay for that. Not only for them, I think that's okay for anybody because, I mean, let's face it, the number one thing that I see people hauling around in their pickup trucks is sailboat fuel. So <laughs> nothing there. Um, but Rivian has an interesting, uh, an interesting take on this. You know, they, they've got their own look. They've got obviously backing from Amazon and from Ford. Uh, you know, where I am in Chicago, Rivian is a huge deal because they're just right down the road at mm -hmm. uh, normal Illinois. They've kind of, 
revived that revitalized that whole area where those manufacturing jobs went away a couple of mm-hmm. years ago and now they're all coming back so rivian's a little bit of a local hero i kind of hesitate saying too much about them one way or the other other than how great they're doing <laughs> um but you know we're talking about ford we're talking about rivian which I, one could argue is sort of ford adjacent you know the elephant in the room here for gm has to be the silverado like what are they going to do now? <laughs> well, it's funny too, because even what we saw for their teaser was literally just the word Silverado with like a blue E in it or something. <laughs> Which is exactly how they teased the, the, the Humber EV. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's one of those things where we, we, here's the problem is, is we have a 24 hour news cycle, right? And a lot of these brands that are trying to maintain showing that they're being very proactive and very active and they have things in the works and everything else. It's, it's, it's a game. It's a game of show, like, you know, dangle something, let people talk about it, get some news out there about it, but how much actually is it to chew on? And, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I think GM right now, again, the Hummer EV, I think when it comes to market, Again, it's, it's going to make a stink. They did a great job with like, the LeBron promo and everything else. I will say that even – I read something this morning that the, the weight of the vehicle is like, yes. what is it, 9,000 pounds or something? It's, oh. it's like, a, like a class three or something. I was like – Yeah, that. I was real happy when you said you got to give them a lot to chew on. I was going to say I, was, I had a one-liner about like, oh, it's going to give them 9,000 pounds of something to chew on. Yeah. So, and still 9,000 pounds in zero to 60 in under four seconds. Uh, I, w- I want to see that happen in real Dude. life. And then, and then at the same time, I want to be very, be very honest with people about, it. I don't know if something that's weighs 9,000 pounds should be going zero to 60 in less than four seconds. That is, that is the point I was going to make. Who needs, you know, five tons of motor vehicles screaming at them with instant torque. That just sounds insane. I, well, I, I gotta tell you, I feel really good about that XC90 sitting in my garage right now. <laughs> well, honestly, though, it's like I mean, the well, let's be fair too. I mean, and I'm I'm very curious to see what happens with the announcement for you know what Ford has done with like the battery size and 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 what, how efficient it is. We're we're still playing a game with physics right now. The the yes. ba- the battery technologies that exist today in a vehicle that's a sedan, small sedan, small CUV, you can get really good efficiency out of it with the right battery chemistry, and you can get some really good range. But trucks and arguably even big SUVs, they're used for different purposes, hauling X, Y, Z, whether it's people or things. And we don't yet have that level of incredible efficiency from some of these battery cells where we're going to get, you know, 400 miles out of a, um, out of a truck, unless we double the size of the battery. And that's, looks like that's what's happening, which is, again, it gives you the range, but man, that's a lot of weight. It's just a lot of weight. I think the reality that a lot of these automakers are sort of, you know, coming to is that efficiency never really sold cars. Of course not. No. You know, I mean, like nobody ever really cared about, you know, the Miller cycle Mazda engine to the point where it made them, uh, you know, into a household name. Like at the end of the day, a lot of inefficiency is really profitable for the automakers and that's their obligation is to their shareholders. Well, in, in the gas, com- in the combustion engine world, that's true because they can turn and burn on making a V8 or a V turbocharged V6 or whatever, because that's their core competency. And they kick ass at doing that. Building a battery that weighs a lot more that also happens to be inefficient because the miles per kilowatt hour you're going to get is not exactly extremely great because of both the, the cell design and the weight of the vehicle you're using. 
I don't think that plays to their to like to their benefit just yet. And I think that's why we're seeing big vehicles being produced first from these legacy brands is because that's where they can kind of run into and say, this car's got to cost a lot of money because we still aren't at that profitability level yet. So let's build something that costs 150,000 bucks. Yeah. You got to go where the market will bear that kind of markup. Yeah. Similarly with Mercedes Benz, you're seeing, you know, the, uh, the EQS, which mm-hmm. is arguably their flagship sedan now. And yeah. to your point earlier about the, you know, the way that they're marketing these things true to brand, they talk about the smoothness. They talk about that linear torque. They mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the quiet interior. Those are all things that we think of when we think of an S-Class Mercedes-Benz and they're, that stuff is being played to the strengths of the EV platform. Yep, I think that's exactly it. I think that we're gonna see, again, the, it's exactly, here's the funny thing, right? Is it still arguably what Tesla showed like eight, <laughs> 10 years ago? Arguably what Tesla showed, right. Yeah, they're like, hey, this, this technology is gonna cost an arm and a leg to develop. So let's just price the product at something like $200,000 or something crazy. And, and then we'll just kind of whittle it down into like the mainstream market. We're arguably seeing the same thing because the legacy brands that are building out their battery you know, uh, plants and, develop, and battery technology right now, they are still behind a bit. So they're just kind of going through a similar life cycle. The beauty of it is, is though we're getting a lot of different type of vehicles now hitting the market because instead of only having to be small vehicles that are efficient, we're actually having these brands say, well, we can sell a Hummer for over 100K and yeah, it's going to have like 300-ish, 400 miles range with this massive battery. And it costs us a lot, but we can sell it for a lot. We can sell it for a lot, right? Okay, fine. And that's and that's always been, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot in in some of the the business classes I took when I was a young student a long, long time ago, was that diffusion of innovations that you know the time was that a computer, a, a you know, a PC was only for like wealthy day trader guys, and now everybody right. has one in their pocket, right? Like you know, the people who need it and have that need and have that budget will sort of pay for that development and then it will eventually whittle down um and you know we're talking about whittling down and there's some barriers to entry i think in the ev space that the internal combustion space doesn't have or has rather that seems to make it easier for startups to come in like you've got aptera coming in we're talking about rivian we should talk about bollinger a little bit because they're doing some really interesting stuff with their truck um, you know, but then you have things like canoe coming into this, which is like a, canoe. like a canoe. If you've seen this thing, it's kind of cool, right? It's almost like a VW minibus kind of style to it where you're sitting over the front axle. It's kind of like bulbous, but in like a cute way, you know, they do their marketing as like, it's a camper. There's like an Inuit woman who's making coffee in the wilderness. I mean, I could have coffee in the wilderness. That's kind of cool. <laughs> coffee in the wilderness we all like coffee in the wilderness no i like coffee we like trees let's do it everything we're talking about too it all comes down to also what's iconic is there are if if it's if it's visually appealing that's one thing because that's that's part of just the subjectivity of, of vehicle design right but if it's something that you recognize whether you love it or hate it that's kind of a good thing and so yeah i mean the cyber truck has it doesn't it Oh, the Cybertruck, once it actually hits the road, every single person that sees one will stop and stare and take a photograph and they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe that thing's on the road. And then you'll have two people on either side of it going, I hate it. I love it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's the risk they took. I remember uh, at the unveiling, that was part of like the shock of everything. It was like, that's really what you did. And then over time, people were like, I hate it less the more I look at it. But, <laughs> but then but you it's look at it's not a truck, is it? 
it's, it's still, but it's it's a it's a it's a contraption that you know they wanted to build because why not? And it just so happens that here we are again, years later, talking about talking it. about it. Yeah. And and Rivian, they played it a little bit safer with a traditional look, but they have an iconic look with their head, halo headlight design and that vertical look to the headlights. I think they still have something going for them there. It's just it's just not as risky. So it's not it's not as risky too. Yeah, I mean. I remember when we were working on a rendering of what we were essentially trying to make a model S look like a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And we kind of thought that it was going to go that oh road. Oh my of God. Like, Do you remember I that? I remember that. That was so long ago. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think a lot of people were going the same way that it was going to, you know, we, we kind of went with like an El Camino uh, Ute sort of approach to this mm-hmm. thing. Cause we kind of thought Tesla would play it safe. And the thing about we could not have been more wrong i don't think anybody (laughs) saw that coming no one did no absolutely i mean there were people i know that were at the unveiling that genuinely thought like this is a gag right like you're gonna like the sheet metal is gonna fall off and like the actual trucks under it or something right so no i i think that that was one of the most out of left field things ever and then on top of that the whole unveiling went sideways with the windows breaking and blah 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 and then they still spun that into a plus like when you buy the Hot Wheel now, it comes with a sticker for the broken window. For the broken for window, yes. Oh, yeah. it's it's just like come on. So I think that what what for as much as Elon says he doesn't like marketing, he's brilliant at it, and as is the company for how they position things. Um, he and doesn't I gotta, like other people doing marketing. He's happy to do marketing on his own. I think. Well, what's funny is is yeah he 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 thinks that marketing. Well, he says marketing is bad, but he's really good at storytelling or twisting stories in a way that <laughs> yes. works to his works to his benefit, right? So in a way that keeps getting him married to pop stars and supermodels. All said, all this said is you look at what these other companies are doing in the truck world, and I'm and I just ask myself, are they gonna get the same level of attention and cachet around it but here's the, at the end of the game and then the day too for business to succeed it's all about sales volume so yeah. who is going to win in that game well if we're talking about electric cars then yeah if i'm going to buy an electric f-150 or the f-150 lightning i think it's going to be a great truck dot 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 how do i fill this thing how do i use this as a truck i've always known how do i trust it like a truck i've always known that's still yet again going to be a conversation that comes up on all these vehicles Every single one. That's going to be interesting. And I think there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions about that. I got into this uh, on LinkedIn of all places with somebody um, who was talking about, you know, when I go out, like you don't drive where I drive. When I drive out into rural, he was in Alberta. I drive out into rural Alberta. There's no place to charge up my truck. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You buy gas out there, don't you? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what do you think's powering the pump? Right. Like electricity. I'm like, oh, so there is a place for you to charge. You just don't understand. And I, I, I phrased it a little bit more gently because I was uh, typing it. So it was like, and it was early in the day. So I wasn't moody and hungry. But like, <laughs> I, I it basically like, like, don't misunderstand here. If there's electricity there, you can charge your truck just because you haven't realized that like every place that has electricity is a potential fuel source. That yeah. doesn't that doesn't mean that that's not there. Now we're not talking about fast charging, right. you know. We're just, we're just talking about access to what fills up your vehicle. We're and just talking about access to what fills up your vehicle. Like, is there going to be thirty minute level seven fast charging in like a town of four hundred people in northern Alberta? Yeah, probably not. Not yet, but, but not it's yet. gonna happen. Exactly, it's yeah. gonna happen. And the same way that you know they don't get a lot of things right away. I'm sure they didn't get Godzilla versus King Kong until a couple weeks after everybody else did. 
Well, and, and that's, this is, it gets back to the old chicken and egg conversation. And then he yes. was talking about, you know, the, the education of the public and the infrastructure rollout we're talking about and, and the money that's about to be spent through the federal government for more infrastructure. Each of these companies is going to benefit from it. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm still waiting to see how there is going to be a, a, just a genuine understanding about that customer journey aspect. The two companies that seem in the truck world to understand that value, frankly, Tesla and Rivian. And honestly, the amount of people at Rivian that came from Tesla that are managing what their approach to charging infrastructure is, it's effectively like a mess, if not all of them came from Tesla. Yeah. And they all, they all know the value of it. So that's different. That's different. So. Are they using, Rivian's using the, uh, the CSS standard, right? CCS? Yeah, Rivian's going to be using the yeah, green fast charging CCS. And again, and that's, that's the thing is anything they're doing that for their infrastructure rollout, it is going to be software limited. So it's the, it's the right shaped plug, but if you pull a brand new F-150 Lightning up to one of the Rivian Adventure Network fast chargers and plug it in, it'll fit, but it's not going to communicate. But that's a one way, that's a, that's a one edge, a single edged sword, I guess, because if you own the Rivian, you can access the Rivian Adventure Network. Yep. However, comma, you can also all use the, you can use all of them. Yeah. So what they're not, they're not saying we're going to be separate. They're not doing the Tesla thing, which is like, look, we're going to do our own thing. You boys do you. They're going to say, look, we're going to play in that universe, but we're also going to have like, you know, it's almost like when you go to the airport and it's like the sky lounge, you can sit out there with the plebes and eat your McDonald's and your $8 Toblerones, or you can come sit in here. And it's nice. I think that's no. about the going rate for a Toblerone at O'Hare International now. I wouldn't. It? I wouldn't been in an airport in over a year. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. So no. But I think you're right. I think it's. It really is. Well, and in fairness to those two comparisons, is that you know Rivian they they came to be by sake of as, as a company as an entity and their product development while the infrastructure and charging protocols and standards were basically coming to fruition. So they're leveraging something that, that Tesla couldn't. So I think Tesla may have done something similar back in the day if they felt they, you know, had that type of a, of an, you know, of a platform they could leverage, but they just simply couldn't at the time. So, right. Right. So I I think the question is, you know, you mentioned all of this, uh, you know, fundraising from the national level that's coming, you know, from the Biden administration and also from other state utility companies and things like that. It benefits everybody does it benefit Tesla? Um, only unless, no. I mean, like, unless they come out with a, a an adapter for, you know, CCS, you know, if we're going from their plug type to CCS, so from red to green. But, and they, they do have it. They built it. They actually offer it in South Korea because that's what's happened in South Korea. Yeah. But they, ha- they haven't brought it to market here in, in, the North Amer- in North America. And hard to say why. Don't you feel, though, like there's something to be said for maintaining that, separation like you know it would be so easy for apple to just like make everything plug into a usb port and they're just not going to do it no tesla's approach certainly is to basically keep you in their ecosystem i mean yes yes that's 100 true but there's exclusivity there too right like you're not going to pull up to some random 7-eleven and get a tesla supercharger because why would you want to go to a 7-eleven oh that's one of the biggest talking points right now amongst people that are talking about this new fast charging infrastructure that's rolling out. You know, if you, if you're driving, let's say for sake of argument, a, you know, uh, a Kia Nero EV and it can, it can charge up to level five and it plugs in, if it it plugs into a level seven charger, 
it can't even take all that power, but it's there. And somebody pulls up with a Porsche Taycan that wants to use that level seven and they can take it. That's, that's irritating. (laughs) And again, welcome to the, the wonderful world of how do we explain that? And from a user experience perspective and all these companies are having navigated. So Rivian just said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll use the same plug as everyone else. So they our truck and SUV owners can go everywhere, but we'll have our own network too. That just is for them. That's the way they feel like your point, that little exclusivity. Um, it's, it's, I can't blame them for doing it. They got the money, you know, it's going to make for a better got the money. Exactly. Right. And I think the other, I want to just actually say real quick, uh, that actually brings up a really good point though. Think about fleet sales, mm-hmm. you know, big part of these truck sales are fleet sales and yeah. being electric, even if it costs more upfront, you're buying a bunch of them. So you get a little bit of a discount and now all of a sudden your costs are down for fuel. But my point being is, if you're a fleet owner, if you own 10, 20, 30, 40 trucks, and now all of a sudden you could charge them at home overnight at home at your business, overnight when rates are lower, you're saving, you're saving thousands, tens of thousands oh, of dollars on yeah. fuel. Yeah, the benefit to fleet though, the big benefit to fleet, not necessarily the cost of operation, it's going to be budgeting because a lot of these major construction companies and, and road crews and things like that, they're operating on a really, really narrow budget and they have to project out. I mean, they're buying fuel futures contracts six months, 18 months out so that they can effectively budget their margin and get in there at like a one or a 2% bid. And even that might be high. So they might have to shave that. This insulates them quite a bit from the fluctuating prices of oil oh, yeah. and gas. So from just from the point of view of like, look, this is going to make our budgeting more accurate so that we can cut these things a little closer and get more bids and make this up on volume. That's something that would have been impossible to do if we had stayed with the uh, liquid fuel. Oh, no, that's true. And again, I think that's where you're going to whatever we end up seeing for the announcement for pricing for the F-150 Lightning, without doubt, they're going to be focusing on a a lower priced entry version of this vehicle that will be completely attractive to that market buyer of for, for fleet. They will say, wow, I, I, we spent that much on each of these gas powered ones. And we know for a fact that we can, as you described, Chris, we can, we can fill this up at home or at the office using a level two overnight. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it costs us peanuts. And if, again, all that is done without emotion. That's purely logical, binary. Look at the balance sheet buy the thing that works. Yep. You know, those are two different oh. types of buyers. Well, and with I, the I, money I, you save, you can get a new hunting rifle and go shoot baby seals. Well, I got to say, guys, sounds like we've got a show. <laughs> the Electrify Expo is coming to California in 2021. Forecasted to be the largest e-mobility festival in the USA. Learn how you can attend or get involved by visiting electrifyexpo.com. Be sure to find out more information about Electrify Expo on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to get information on all things e-mobility. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Electrify Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV and follow along on social media for daily clips and more.